This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. All right, good morning, church. How are we? That was kind of weak. Good morning, church. How are we? Good, good. We are saved, right, by the creator of the universe. We're more than good. We're fantastic. Um, I want to start today with a story. Typically on Wednesdays, I start with an embor- a story that embarrasses myself, just to kind of break the ice with the students, and so you guys get that privilege this morning. I don't know if you all in your family, if you have a TV show that you all are just devoted to. Like, you watch it as a group. You'd never miss an episode. You go through the highs and lows of that TV show together. For me and my older sister, we were obsessed with How I Met Your Mother. Um, For those that don't know what How I Met Your Mother is, it's a nine-season-long show about a guy named Ted Mosby telling his kids how he met their mother. So it's properly named. Um, Basically, it's this long story of how he came to know their mom. And I remember this one episode very specifically um, where Ted's friend Marshall, his dad passes unexpectedly of a heart attack. And it's a really heavy episode, in all honesty, for a sitcom. Like, it kind of got really deep. And uh, Marshall is just an absolute wreck because his dad passed unexpectedly, but his last words to him from his father were, hey, Marshall, I checked out Crocodile Dundee 3 this weekend, and it totally lives up to the hype. And Marshall is just distraught because he wanted his, his dad's last words to be something that was super deep and impactful. He wanted them to have meaning. He wanted them to summarize his dad's entire life because his dad was such a wise man. And so I remember being a 12-year-old guy, seeing this grown man on TV absolutely a wreck because of his dad's final words. And so here I am now panicked at the age of 12 about what my final words are going to be. I don't want my future film to end up like Marshall. I I want them to be really wise. And so I pull out my Sweet Life of Zach and Cody notebook at my little desk, and I start writing out my final words. All right, they have to be good. They have to be wise. They have to leave people with something. I I memorize them. Yes, I still know them. No, I will not share them with you. Um, But I just wanted to open with that story because it really shows how much we as people and a society, how much weight we put on someone's last words. And so this morning, with our time together, I want to look at what Jesus' final words were on the cross. So if you would, turn into your Bibles, into John chapter 19. That's where we're going to be camped out for our time with each other this morning. Before we jump in, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background of where we're jumping into. So John chapter 19, um, we're jumping into where Jesus' death, that's where we're about to go. Jesus has just been chosen over Barabbas by Pontius Pilate and the crowd. He is on his way to Mount Golgotha or Mount Calvary where he's carrying his cross and where we, or he will die for the sins that we committed. And so John chapter 19, jumping in at verse 28, it says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished and to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished, and then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. There is such amazing power in Jesus' final words here. Like true amazing power. He didn't use his last moments talking about how great he was. He didn't use his last seconds or his last breath communicating the amount of pain that his body was in. No, he used his last breath to say that it is finished, to tell us that it is finished. 
And while it might sound like a really simple phrase, there's so much power that is held in that simplicity. Jesus' last words, it is finished, is directly translated from the Greek word tetelestai. If you want to learn a new language, there's your first word in Greek, tetelestai. Tetelestai has two, two different meanings that we're going to focus on this morning. They're both very similar, but they hold a different purpose. The first meaning is it is finished. It's what a majority of our Bibles have written out in the translations. It's what we just read in our scripture. Um, it is finished. It is completed. It is carried out. But what is the it that Jesus is saying is finished? What is the importance and what is the it of it being finished? In the Old Testament, there are over 350 different prophecies that tell us what will happen when the Messiah comes. There are over 350 different stories, different narratives, um, different people that God used to tell us, hey, this is what to look for, this is what you're to keep your eye out for, this is what's going to happen when your Savior comes and rescues you. And he fulfilled every single one of them to a T. Jesus' life and crucifixion didn't just fulfill a handful, didn't fulfill a couple of them, didn't fulfill only the odd ones. He fulfilled all 350 plus prophecies that said what happened when he came. The prophecies were completed. It was finished. Not only were the prophecies fulfilled, but Jesus also completed the physical work that was needed to have a relationship with God at this moment. The people back then had to work to be in right relationship with God. They didn't have a savior or a mediator that we have today. They didn't have Jesus quite yet. Um, they had to work to be in a right, right relationship. They had laws and practices to meet, and if they didn't meet those, if they didn't live up to that standard, then they had to go make a sacrifice. And I want to communicate this part really clear is that we're used to like a really, really easy age where we get to do so many things in a day with our cars, Amazon Prime, which is a blessing, um, but these sacrifices, they had to typically leave their homes to go do them. They had to be in specific places with specific people and follow specific rules. And if they didn't, then typically that offering, that sacrifice offering, didn't make up for the failure. And so you could do all this work, but if you didn't follow the rule to a T, it didn't cover that sin, essentially. And so they had to constantly work to be in that relationship, to be in a right relationship with God. So Jesus carried out all these requirements of God's perfect laws, and he did what we failed to do. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, it says that Jesus, he came to take away our sin, he who was sinless. Jesus kept the law perfectly, and he fulfilled the prophecies completely. The first meaning of tetelestai, it is finished, it is completed. The second meaning of tetelestai is paid in full, and this is where we're going to camp out the rest of the morning. Paid in full. Typically in this time and in culture, the word to telestai was reserved for prisoners. What would happen is that when you did something wrong, um, you'd break the law and you would go to jail. When your sentence was up, when your, when your sentence was finished, your time was done, you'd go before a judge and you would meet them and they would have this really nice list of everything you did to get you to, into jail, basically. It was a humbling moment. Hey, here's everything you did wrong, Right? They would go through and say, hey, this is what got you here, and they would immediately put a stamp over it that said, to Tetelestai. That would tell the prisoner, hey, your time is finished, your failures have been paid for, you are free to go now. The judge would then give the prisoner that card. The prisoner would put it in his pocket, or whatever they had back then, the, the little satchel, um, and he would head back home. And now, like we know, people talk, like people, people talk in your hometowns so when you go back home and things have happened. 
people are probably like, hey, like, weren't you in prison? Like, didn't I see you stealing from that shop last year? Do I need to call the cops really quick? Really nice thing with having that card is that prisoner gets to pull it out and say, nope, I've got this card. It says that my sentence is over. I paid it. It's paid in full. And that would tell the person, okay, cool. I'm glad you're back. I'm happy you're here. Welcome back to the community. And just like the judge who stamps on the prisoner's card, Jesus is stamping on our life. He is speaking to Telestai over our own lives here today. It's really amazing because Jesus is speaking freedom. It's him telling us that because of what he has finished, we get to live freely, right? That's what we call the gospel. That's what we call the good news. And here's the really dangerous part, the really part we need to grasp is that we can't fully understand the good news. We can't fully appreciate the good news until we recognize the weight of the bad news. Amen. We need to understand the bad news to see why we even need the good news. And so that's where we're going we're gonna to camp out for a little bit. The bad news is here is that something had us locked up. There would be no reason for Jesus to speak of this freedom, no reason for Jesus to say this word, to telestai, paid in full, if there was nothing to pay for. And so something has us locked up, something had us chained down, something was creating this distance between us and our creator, and that thing is sin. It's a really heavy three-letter word. That thing is sin. Um, in James chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, uh, James is Jesus' half-brother, which, honestly, could you imagine being related to Jesus? <laughs> I don't know if I'd want that job. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, James is saying, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. James, in summary, is saying, hey, sin is never going to offer you, it's never going to give you life. It might offer it, but it's never going to give it to you. It's going to make a promise that it can't cash, right? Uh, Sin's never going to give you what you're looking for. Sin is only going to lead you to death. And I remember when I first read this, I'm a very literal person sometimes. When I first read this, I'm like, I've sinned many times, and I'm still here kicking it, breathing today. And so how does it bring death, James? In this context, James is talking about a spiritual death. Sin, it creates this distance from us and our creator. It creates this distance between us and our father. And when we aren't next to the king of life, when we're far from that, it brings a spiritual death. A lot of us might be thinking that, um, yeah, we mess up sometimes, but I'm, I'm generally a pretty good person. Um, I might lie here and there. I might check myself out in the mirror too many times. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm pretty good. I've, I've got this Christian thing locked down. I'm pretty, I'm pretty set. Um, sin might be telling you that uh, you have it under control. You know when to tell it yes. You know when to tell it no. It's under your reins. You know how to command it and when to do so. Um, but the truth is, is that sin will always take us farther than we want to go. It will always keep us longer than we want to stay. And it will cost us more than we ever want to pay. And I don't say this to scare you. I don't say this to shame you. My heart behind saying this is so that we can see our absolute need for a Savior. It's so that we can see our absolute need for Jesus Christ. Um, I remember when I first started following Christ, and I had this mindset of perfection. The old me was dead. I'm with God now, so I shouldn't mess up. I can't mess up. But when I would mess up, because I'm not perfect, I would uh, be overwhelmed by my guilt and my shame. I would just be crushed by my failure. 
just time and time again. But that's the complete opposite of the words that Jesus spoke on the cross. That's the complete opposite of what his last word was to Telestai. It is paid in full. It is finished. There's something really important that I want you to catch that I haven't mentioned yet is that when he said to Telestai, he said it in the perfect tense. The perfect tense includes past, present, and future. The really awesome thing with that is he's saying it was finished, it currently is finished, it's going to continue being finished. Your sins were paid for, your sins are paid for, and your sins are going to continue being paid for. There's no expiration date to Jesus' death on the cross for us. There's no end to God's mercy or love for us. And that's what Jesus is communicating here with his very last breath on the cross. And here's just a quick thing. Is it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter if it was last week. It doesn't matter if it's when you were a kid um, or if you were just saved this morning. We are all in need of a Savior every second of every day. For some reason, we, we believe this lie that there's at some point in our spiritual walk when we have to be spiritually mature and surpass the gospel. The gospel is for new believers. I'm past that. I'm deep in theology. I'm talking about the sanctification and restoration. You never outgrow the gospel. We never outgrow the gospel. The gospel is the whole reason for the word. The gospel is Jesus Christ. The gospel isn't something to be outgrown. It's something to sit in and live in. Um, just, just an illustration, because I'm passionate about food, is that picture it like this. If you, let's say you go to A&G later today for lunch, um, and, and you're feeling kind of bougie that day, so you don't go for a water. You get a frozen peach lemonade. And yes, I did pull up the menu to write this part of the, of the talk today. Um, and instead of uh, just going a meal, you get, you get an appetizer. You get the A&G sampler, which is the most expensive one they have. And it looks really good. Um, and then you decide to get the shrimp and steak. You're looking at a pretty big bill. Like, for those that work at A&G, you're probably like, yeah, you're going to use your credit card for that one. Like, you're looking at a pretty big bill. And when you go to pay for it, and the waiter goes, hey, someone's actually covered your meal there's nothing to pay for anymore, what's your reaction going to be? Would you still like, try to like, chuck your card at them? Would you still try to give them your cash? No, that'd be crazy. There's nothing left to pay for. And yet, how often do we do that with our own salvation? How often do we, do we recognize that Jesus paid it all for us on the cross, but I still have to do X, Y, Z to make sure I'm saved? I still have to work my way to my Creator. How often do we allow the enemy to keep us chained down with chains that Jesus has already broken? You're beating yourself up and believing that God doesn't love you because of what you've done when he's already proved his love for you on the cross. He came down here, took the form of a man, lived a perfect life for 33 years, dying in the most humiliating way possible on the cross just so that you could have the choice to accept the gift. That's the amazing thing about love is that it has to include free will, which is sometimes very challenging if I'm being transparent. The amazing thing about the love that Jesus has for us, the love that God has for us, is he didn't force us into anything. He simply just made the way so that we could have the opportunity to make the choice to follow him. And it's so that by Jesus' righteousness, we could just simply be in fellowship with God. He loves you enough just to give you the choice to choose him, not to force you into it. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love that verse. Every time I, I read that, I circle it, I highlight it, I underline it, I go mega Christian on this verse, all right? And let me tell you why. It's because it says, while we were still sinners, Jesus didn't wait for me, he didn't wait for you to clean your life up. And isn't that so good? <laughs> he didn't wait for us to get it all together. He didn't wait for us to dust off our knees, to clean the mud off of us, and then come to the Father. No, he said, I'm going to die for him. I'm going to die for her. Before they're even born, I know what they're going to do. I know how they're going to fail, and I'm still going to choose the cross for them. While we were still sinners, he died for us. A lot of us believe this lie that we have to clean ourselves up before coming to the Father. And If you wait to clean yourself up before coming to God, if I can just be transparent with you, you're never going to come to God. That's a lie the enemy uses to keep that distance growing. That's the lie the enemy uses to keep you far from the Creator. You don't need to clean yourself up. Let, let Jesus do that. Just come to the Father as you are and he'll sort it out. I'm going to ask you some tough questions because I really... I really want to make sure that we're communicating the gospel and its weight. I mean, the gospel is a scandalous message. The gospel is scandalous. The fact that we did everything wrong, we basically didn't do anything right, and yet the God who had every right to punish us decided, no, you're not going to be punished. I'm going to send my son down so that you have the opportunity to choose me. That is scandalous. And so I'm going to ask a couple of tough questions, and I'm going to answer them myself. And I just want you to kind of think about them. First one is, have your hands ever been to places that you wish they'd never gone? Mine have. Before my, before my Christ days, my, my BC days, my hands have done things I wish they'd never had. But the Bible tells us that there was a nail pierced through each of Jesus' hands that paid for every time that our hands have gone somewhere they never should have gone. How about your feet? Have your feet ever taken you somewhere you didn't want to go? Have your feet ever taken you somewhere you didn't, you said you'd never go back there and here you are on your way? Guess what? The Bible says that the nail was pierced in Jesus' feet to pay for every time our feet have taken us places we never should have been. How about your thoughts? How about your eyes? Have you ever seen or thought of things that you wish you'd never had? Maybe now you're in a habit where you've been looking at things for so long you just can't stop. Jesus would tell you, hey, I wore a crown of thorns for every time you've had that impure thought for every time you've looked at that thing that's caused you to stumble. How about your back? This one's hard. Have you ever had a hard heart and you've turned your back on God? I have. But Jesus would tell you, hey, I got whipped with a cat of nine tails. I had glass and metal in the back that whenever it would hit me, it would dig into my skin and pull pieces out. I did that for every time you turned your back on God. Jesus has paid for our hands, he's paid for our feet, he's paid for our thoughts, our eyes, our back, all so that we could be with God. To tell us that he has paid, it is paid in full, he has made it finished, it is completed. And it's just one of the most beautiful things that you've ever heard, that you were worth dying for, that you were fully known and desired by the creator of the universe. That every piece of you that you are ashamed of, everything you've done in your past that you might have not told anyone, God knows it and he still chooses you every single day. He still chooses you even when you fail to choose him and I'm also in that group. When we fall short, he never falls short. He's always there. 
It's by his righteousness that we are clean. Uh, That when we turned our back on the way, when we strayed off from the path, he made the way narrow, he made the way straight so that we could simply be with him. To Telestai, live in the freedom that Jesus has spoken over your life already. To Telestai, it is completed. You no longer have to try to work your way towards God. It's out of your love for God that you get to do good works, but it's not the other way around. Good works don't get you to Christ. Simply accepting Jesus does. In your mess. To Telestai, it is paid in full. Your past is paid for. Your present is paid for. Your future is paid for. Don't try to clean yourself before coming up to the Father. You can't scrub that hard. You can try, and you'll get exhausted. But ultimately, you come to God messy. Come to God in your mess with all your baggage, with every, all of your shame. Bring it to him and let him do the cleaning. We have the easiest job in the world. If, if, we're, if I'm just being real, we get the easy part. We get to say, yes, Jesus, I am yours. He has the hard part. He has to do the scrubbing. I'm not a cleaner. He has the hard part of making us clean. And it's so easy for him because he's already done it. He's the creator of the universe. Nothing you have, nothing you're holding on to is too big for him to handle. Don't think that your sin is greater than your God. If you all just bow your heads with me. I'm going to ask two questions. The first one is, if there's anyone in the room today, anyone who's found their way um, to church this morning, anyone who's been here for a while, and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, if you haven't given Jesus your all, would you raise your hand and I would just love to pray with you. Your hand isn't to show me. Your hand is a devotion to Christ. Thank you. See you. Second question. If you've been following Christ, now you've gotten stuck in this lie that you have to get your way back to him, that you have to work your way back to the creator, that your current sins are too hard, you've messed up too many times, and you feel that God is done with you. If you've allowed the enemy to keep you down in chains from your past, if you've been too focused on what you've done rather than where Jesus is taking you, would you please raise your hand? I would love to pray for you. Thank you, I see you. Thank you, I see you. Father, we come to you just so thankful. So thankful that even in our mess, even if even in our dirtiest of dirt, you are here for us. That you did the work for us, God, that you made the way for us, Father. How blessed we are to be called your child. How blessed we are to be loved by the creator of the universe, the same God that pulled the mountains from the ground, the same God who put the trees where they are. It's the same God who sent his son to die for us. The God that provided the trees that would make the wood for the cross. The God who provided the metal that would become the nails that would pierce your son's hands and feet. The God who pulled the mountain out knowing that your son would be crucified on. What a love. 
God, I pray we are never underwhelmed by your scandalous grace. I pray we are never underwhelmed by the love you have for us, even when we don't deserve it. Father, I pray for these people that accepted you into their lives this morning. I pray that as they leave this building, you give them a community to build a relationship with them towards you, Father. I pray that they experience the freedom that they get to walk into because of your son. For those that have been focused on their past, for those that have been chained by their mistakes, I pray you comfort them. I pray you give them floods of your grace and I pray that they accept it willingly with excitement that they serve a God They are called by a God who had every right to keep us chained, but instead broke every single one. But they serve an all-knowing God who allows us to walk in the freedom of your life. Father, we are so thankful and blessed by you. As we leave this building, may we share that freedom, may we share that blessing, may we share the life that you offer us with those in this community, with those in our places of work, with those in our classes, with those that we're next to in the supermarket. May we boldly just share your message and maybe boldly share the message to tell us to ourselves that we remind ourselves when the lies of the enemy come, come and and they will, that we remember what your son did for us on the cross, that our eyes are focused on you, God. Father, we love and we praise you, and it's in your amazing son's name we pray. Amen.